Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and definitely not a non-dom, it's Nathan Lee Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> yeah. I forgot you don't you don't follow party politics, so this would have completely passed you by. Don't worry about it, okay, Nathan. It's all fine. Right, sweet. Yeah, okay. literally, literally <laughs> don't worry about it. It's, you're better off not knowing. Okay. Um... This month, we partnered with Humans of Purpose, a weekly podcast featuring interviews with purpose-driven leaders whose work is having a positive social impact and making the world a better place. Mike Davis's guests come from leading charities, social enterprises, purpose-driven businesses, but also include authors, politicians, philanthropists and more. And I'd like to highlight the episode with Phoebe Gardner, who is the CEO of a company called... Bardi. Good name. Bardi are reshaping the global food system by transforming food waste into protein, oil, and organic fertilizer with insects. More importantly, I should say in- insect larvae, in fact. It's black fly larvae. Bardi, I thought this was a fascinating episode, not just because the company's called Bardi, which was, which was fun. Mm. Um, I really like the fact that Phoebe was, fa- she was very engaging for a start, and it was really interesting to hear how she's built her company from the ground up. Uh, there's, there's a, re- I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's a really good anecdote about how she um, is, is cutting up fish heads and fish guts in the car park next to her lab hmm. in the early days, and then you know, gone from that to having several sites. Uh, and and doing really quite incredible things with black fly larvae. I mean, it's quite an incredible episode that you can go from. Um, it, it's like taking on a challenge of of um, carbon emissions, um, eating too much meat, and then you try and get your head around that these black fly larvae could be could be the the tool that that fixes it all. And it, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting in that way. And you know you know what I'm like. I'm obsessed with food and stuff. I just in my head imagine Ben Davies sitting down with um, some boiled veg and then just a, a black fly larvae burger. And just how would that happen? But the thing about eating insects is it's it's been around for a long time in, mm-hmm. in the far east it's, it's just part of their part of their culture but for us it's it's something completely different and completely strange i'm not sure how i feel about it um it would, yeah. which, it, so one of the things they're looking at is um things like protein powders made from mm. ground black fly larvae how would you how would you feel would you would you drink that protein powder <laughs> I'd give it a go. I'd try everything once, Wendy. Yeah. I'd, I'd try everything once. And it's it's just 
it's going to happen. It's coming. But I thought what I found most interesting is the way that they take out the how they how they break down food and it doesn't just kind of stack up the the lava get inside and yeah. it's, it's almost they're making the holes for the oxygen to get in that helps with everything else and it's um I learned a lot and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Production values are really good and mm. it did take me a while to get my head around. They kept saying Bardi and I was just looking. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting and fascinating episode. We'll put the link in the show notes. Mm. Uh, do listen. It's re- it's genuinely, genuinely really, really, really good. And they're not long either. A lot of people, oh, I don't have time to listen to that. I think it's about 35 minutes. It's a good, have a have a morning walk or an afternoon walk and then listen to it. It's, it's, it's not too long. It's kind of uh, it's kind of easy to be a little squeamish around these ideas, aren't they? But I think if you look at the stuff that we're already eating, we mm. we have no reason to stick our nose up. Um, yeah, yeah, right. And 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 the use of I mean, actually, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil too much. I was going to say one of the other uses, but I'll let you listen. There are other uses for the Black Friday. Love it. It's fascinating stuff. So search for Humans of Purpose in your preferred podcast player. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. And you can learn more at humansofpurpose.com. You can also follow Mike, who's the who's the creator of the show. It's MikeDav84 on Twitter. On Instagram, it's Humans of Purpose. He's also on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can get those from the show notes as well. I also want to give a shout out to our ex-sub Rolling Fork, who welcomed baby Arthur into the world this past week. Many congratulations to Rolling Fork and, and Rolling Fork's partner. Uh we should talk about Patreon and what's been going on this past week. Nathan, you, <laughs> Nathan, oh yeah. bless your heart, bless your heart. Yes, you did a really, really fun Twitch stream, which I very <laughs> much enjoyed. My favourite part yeah. was uh, was watching you code for about twenty five minutes mm. live. Well, that might be a generous description, to be honest. <laughs> So uh, Simon, who is on the two on Twitter, he says, I got lost in the Twitch spreadsheet shenanigans. So was there yeah. a conclusion to the right wing back and left wing back debate? As in, who does Nathan think we can get to succeed Doty at right wing back and possibly replace Regulon as left wing back? Um, We're not that far yet, are we? No, no, no. So we are that far with my right wing back list because I did that back in, in January. Um, because I hoped that we might be looking at right wing backs back in January. The left wing back thing is more reactive news to, um, like Regulon might be going back to Real Madrid. They might activate his claws mm-hmm. and he hasn't actually done as well as I, again, we talked before about how well I, I thought he would do at left wing back. And Session Young's beginning to develop as like a good secondary option. So you can feel a little more confident if there's turnover at left wing back. Um, so, you know, so now left wing backs are kind of on the transfer list. Um, so we in in the Twitch video, um, which I have now managed to save so that it will be up there forever, I think. Um, I was going to edit it, but like you, you want the chat. I'm gonna, if I do it again, I'll set it up so that the chat is in the actual video and I can upload an edited version to, to YouTube or whatever. But, um, um, what we did is we created our long list. We, we, we broke it down into three parts. Um, so we remembered some players that we like. Um, we looked on transfer marks and, and searched through, um, appropriate left backs of a certain value range and, and added any of those to the list to look at in detail. Although we did give them a, a quick sort of look over as we were adding them. And then I stumbled my way around some code that I thought 
I had already done quite a lot of preparation on, so that it would just be changing a couple of things there on the stream. But as ever is the case with coding, you always think you're just about done and then the whole thing completely fails and you've got no idea why. Um, that was always going to happen, but I kind of, I kind of wanted that to happen. I kind of wanted to give an honest representation of what the process is, including the awkward stumbling and the, oh, you accidentally switched two letters around and nullified, um, you know, three hours work and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, in future, again, if I do this in future, then I might sort of skip over that stuff a little bit, but I wanted to do a, a look behind the curtain. Um, so if you want to watch me panic for 20 minutes over some code, you can do that. It was really good. It was still fun. Like it was still good fun. And it, like obviously, some people got a bit fed up with how much coding there was involved, and and the viewers dropped off. But it was genuinely really interesting to see under the bonnet. Uh, what was amusing to me was like how many people were commenting on how basically this is their job. <laughs> it's just shock horror. Lots of extra inch listeners are like in yeah. coding and computer science and that kind of thing. So it was like a busman's holiday for them. <laughs> But yeah, the, the, I'm looking forward to the next instalment where we where we look in a bit more detail at some of those players and uh, and develop the shortlist, which will be behind the paywall, right? Yeah, so I think so. Yeah, so we're gonna have to do some match footage stuff, so that can't be on Twitch. Obviously, that's a great way to get our Twitch account taken down. Um, I think there's probably gonna be a bit of off-camera work that just doesn't work in lighting, which mm-hmm. is like sending messages preparing to people I know and talking to them and preparing the clips and. Um, so I might come with like, here's the list of people I've taken off already and here's why. And now we're going to look uh, further in detail. Um, but again, I am about to move house. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that this week. And if I can't do it this week, then it might not be for a few weeks because I'm going to lose internet access and everything. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, you were referencing, uh, Rishi Sunak's wife. I was, yes. <laughs> it's clicked. It's clicked. I worked it out. Sorry. There it is. I knew it. I knew it was coming. Oh, I, I, he, I didn't. I thought it was something sexual at the start. I didn't. That, know. That, that was that's that, the that was that was the yeah. That was the that was the little tease. Okay. I was being a bit naughty, Bardi. A bit playful. Okay. <laughs> and Bardi, you are off on holiday and looking for a football book. Yeah, I am. I'm looking for something to. I I know all the big ones. I've read all the big ones, but I'm not. I'm not interested in the big ones. I'm looking for a niche book by an author who's just trying to get his name out there, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm also on the lookout for for writers. If you've got something you want to write about Tottenham, something to say, then please drop us an email at podcast at the extra inch um, dot com. Yeah, I think so. That's right. Uh, yep. and, we, um, we, we, we pay our writers, so yes. we might need a sample of your work or, or um, a link to something you've written before so that, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, don't, don't want to sort of lead you on and, and you end up writing a piece and we go, yeah, it's not quite what we're looking for. So, uh, yeah, but, but email us and, and Bardi will, will chat to you. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the Patreon is is in a really good place, boys. It's the content we're producing, I feel incredibly proud of at the moment. Uh, Straight Off the Training Ground with Chris Summersell is uh, is so fun to record, and Chris's insight is terrific. It's really it's really great, uh, and we've we produced forty four episodes of that now, uh, which is I mean it's it's crazy that that's happened. It's flown by. Uh, so it, look, if you've not subscribed to our Patreon before, uh, you could subscribe for a month and binge all the content that's on there. Nathan's yeah. analytical videos, although they are sort of players linked and and whatnot, that. They're still watchable now. It's not like they've they've got old and stale. They're all still relevant. 
So most, you could binge them, it all. Most of them still are still relevant. I wouldn't say it was some of them are like specific Nuno, details not. about like what we're gonna do under Nuno and stuff like that, but a lot of it has has, has rewatched. It's a tough binge, I reckon. Like there's been some some series that I've binged that have been like pretty pretty intensive, pretty detail orientated. But I reckon <laughs> watching like five solid hours of tactical analysis will will melt your brain. But if that is what you want to do, then we fully invite you to to um do as a mystery person did and immediately cancel your renewal the second after you've um it's really it's it's really common it's really common okay. that people do that because they they understand they, they want to try it out for a month which yeah, is fair enough and they don't want to be charged again so it's it's six quid a month uh which is the you know the price of a pint in london nowadays isn't it uh, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch and obviously in subscribing you are also supporting us you're you're making you're making this viable for us. This is Nathan's job. This is Nathan's only job. Bardi and I do this as a sort of side project. One day, perhaps, we'll be able to go full-time, but for now, we, we can't. This is Nathan's job. We fund him to do this analysis, uh, and you're, you're supporting that. I mean, if, if, we, if I do go full-time, does that make you my boss, Chris? Uh, in some ways, it'd make you my boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've always wanted. How would you feel about that? Yeah, I'd, I'd have a word with you. I'd pull you aside and have a little whisper in your ear, mate. Would you? Would you yeah. give me some some targets at my appraisal. I'd I'd give you some automations to follow. <laughs> like it, I like it. Uh, let's talk Aston Villa. Another comfortable win, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look at the scoreline. Definitely easy. No problem. Different goal, etc. Little different this one. Little different. Although the second half wasn't. That's uh, you know. Mm. First half was slightly taxing. Uh, we'll start with the lineup, like we tend to do. Um, and there was a surprise in the lineup. Actually, there was, a, a, I'd say, quite a significant surprise. Although in hindsight, perhaps less so. Uh, we ran a poll last week on the on the Twitter at the extra inch. Um, I wanted to find out whether people thought Conte would pick Regulon or Setignon at left wing back now that they're both fit, and also who people would prefer to start at left wing back, Regulon or Setignon. Uh, people thought that Conte would pick Regulon by 51% to 49%, so really, really tight. And people would have preferred Sessegnon, which mm. I was surprised at, 60 to 40. Um, A stunning insight to the type of people who follow the extra inch Twitter account, in my opinion. Yeah, possibly, possibly right, I think. Um, and of course, Conte picked neither. He picked uh, Emerson Royale, right wing back, Matt Doherty, left wing back. Bardi, what did you make of that selection? Um, I think it was probably fitness related. Yeah. They both had they both had strong games against Newcastle. Reguilon's just coming back. Sessignon, we know he's liable to break down when he's fully fit, let alone when he's half fit. So I, I think it, it just made sense to keep those two. And as you saw, we were able to switch it up this time we had to, but bring on Reguilon. Mm. So let's talk about that. Um so I watched I watched this match once again in on a delay. I had I was watching on Sky Go, so I put my phone over the other side of the room. I didn't want any distractions, didn't want to know about any goals, etc., etc. And I was getting quite irate uh, at my laptop, which is on my lap. Uh, I was sort of almost shaking onto the floor with (laughs) some of Villa's challenges uh, in the first 30 minutes. Uh, I don't recall seeing a team play that aggressively against us for a considerable amount of time. And I think the fact that ultimately they have 
injured one of our players to the extent that they are going to be out for three months is um, is an indication that the referee got this wrong in terms of setting the threshold quite early on in the game. There were several challenges which I thought should have been punished by the referee. Buddy, what did you make of it? it, it is that official now? Doherty's knee has gone. Three months, yeah. Wow. He's done, he's done his ligaments. It was it was aggressive up to the point of it wasn't quite reckless, but it was super aggressive. And I think the referee let too much slide too early, and Villa were just up in the ante each time. Um, and you could see even when Reguilón came in, they followed through on him. It was it was I don't want to say it's too much, but it was getting close to too much. The referee needed to book someone early to stop it. I thought that uh, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa came with some really interesting ideas to approach this game. They used um, a diamond shape um, to to simultaneously have pressure on our centre-backs and also overload us in midfield. Um, they did a lot of play in front of Romero in order to try to draw him out and then play around him. Uh, and they also very clearly made a conscious decision that for whatever reason, one really good thing to do against Conte's Tottenham is to foul the shit out of them and try to hurt them. Now, whether that is because they think that we are like weaklings who will cower away from a physical challenge, whether they think that um, that our pattern play breaks down under physical pressure and, and you can and lock us into our, our thirds with just hard tackles, uh, whether they think that that's a good way to like get Hoybier and Romero boiled so that they then commit a red card challenge or whatever, but they Gerard has clearly identified something, um, and I don't know which or why because I don't think it's it's something that I've I've noticed or can recall on demand. Um, but that was clearly one of the key tactical things. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Gerard spoke about um, Saka playing so much football so young and getting getting fouled probably by Villa players. And he said, look, you know, I've had 16 surgeries I can barely get in the gym and he needs to toughen up, which is pretty fucking grim, really. It means that, you know, maybe we need to reconsider what we're doing to these young men and the pain that they're going to live with for the rest of their life. Maybe you think that's what the money's for, but that seems a little dark to me. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was a clear plan there. I still don't, I still don't understand what, what, what the idea was, but... Uh, as much as you can critique Gerrard, and I think you can, and as much as you can critique Villa, and I think you can, it can be undone by good officiating. And the referee has has. I appreciate the thing is the the thing with saying this is that like it's the first hard tackle that puts Matt Doherty out, and then a whole other bunch come after that. So it's not like it built to a point where Matt Doherty went off injured, although he stuck around longer than he should have done on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard to say, like, the referee allowed them to get to a point where they found Matt Doherty, but the referee allowed them to continue past the point after they've badly found a play. And um, and the first booking he gave after all of that was for Hoybier for not pulling someone's arm. So the referee yeah. has really failed um, to, to clamp down on the challenges there. And I think that he takes the first blame before, before Villa and Gerrard do. I thought there was more tackles before the Doherty one. I thought that I thought that was a culmination Maybe. of it. You could you could sense it. Villa. It, it was almost a very kind of early Steven Gerrard kind of days performance where they were just mm. lunging in and going for everything. And and that's how Gerrard played. Maybe perhaps before he had his sixteen operations. It would ultimately it played into our hands because there's no way you can keep up that intensity. Sure, there's sure. no way you can fly around like that. And I think the most important thing for Spurs is what played out is we stuck through it. We got through it. We remained calm. Even though in the face of aggression, we we could easily have lost our minds. We remained calm. Romero 
didn't get booked. I mean, that's that's an incredible feat <laughs> considering the amount of um, ag- aggravation that's happening around him. And, and we got through it. And Villa's chances that they keep going on and on and on about were chances created through chaos. Violence. And <laughs> created through violence, created through chaos. And it's not like they were able to tear us apart by good play or outdoing us. And ultimately, their their aggression led to their um, downfall. And yeah, there's there's no there's no quick way to success through darkness. It just doesn't doesn't work. The the um, other potential purpose for that approach, Nathan, I thought was getting the crowd up as early as okay. possible. I think they've had a bit of a lull. You know, Gerald came in initially, had a lot of success, seemed to have turned things around. Coutinho comes in, they, he's scoring a few goals, they're looking really good. And then they've had a bit of a lull. They've had a few games where they've looked like they don't understand what their best team is, they don't understand what their best system is. They've changed things around and they haven't been able to get it right. And I, I think Gerard wanted to get the crowd up straight away. And one of the ways of doing that, you know, with the same at, at the... Uh, I was going to say at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at White Hart Lane, with the same, you know, big tackles get the crowd on the side, and that's it's it's part of it's part of football, rightly or wrongly. Uh, Cash's tackle on Doherty is the type of tackle that is that, that many pundits would like to see clamped down on. It's the sort of scissor tackle where you've got one leg behind uh, the leg and one leg in front, so he's kind of pushing his knee one way and also the other way simultaneously and of course at high speed and velocity and force that's going to do some damage and it has done some damage and I think it's not acceptable that that's like not a booking at least um but there were other you know Mings's tackle on Kulisevsky got the ball but that doesn't mean it's a fair challenge it's it's completely reckless and it was a definite yellow card and I think there's even a conversation that it should have been a red card and it wasn't even nothing happened nothing (laughs) the referee did nothing about that and then Ashley Young goes for Kane later in the game as well Kane's ankles are notoriously weak and Ashley Young, who has played alongside Kane yeah. for England, deliberately swipes his ankle. I mean, I, I, I can't Pretty even. Nasty, I don't. It? I don't. Yeah, it's just nasty. It's spiteful. There's a uh, there's a supercut of the fouls on uh, Spurs Reddit by uh, Rodeo with a shotgun that is. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know the purpose of it, but I sure watched it a few times, so it, it got me. Mm. But it's mm. there. the The collection of of evidence for our, you know, our battery case against Aston Villa. Yeah, there was yeah. one where it looked like someone had picked up Ben Tanker and just bounced him off a trampoline. He just went flying through the air. I I'm not sure what tackle that was, but I think I think it was maybe Mings again because I think Ben Tanker kicked that guy's leg instead instead of the football. But it. I think the best thing that could come out of this is ultimately they lost. So other managers are going to look at this and go, oh, okay, that's not the way you beat Tottenham by getting all up in their face and try and kick them. You could lose 4-0 when you, when you run out of gas. So I think that's I think that's really important. And it does show almost a, a sense of, I know we always look for like the, the narrative around one game, but it does show the mentality perhaps of we, we survived it and we got through it. So I was on Holtcast, uh, which is an Aston Villa pod. Uh, very nice, very nice people. Uh, I was on that pre-match and I said that the way... Because they were kind of asking me how I thought the game would go and how they thought... How I thought Villa could stop Spurs. And I said the way to stop us is to stop us playing into midfield. If you cut the patterns off at source and you've got a chance, half a chance. And I thought Villa in the first half did that really effectively. Yeah. 
uh, Ings and Watkins pressing pressing really high, really, and and Ramsey and Coutinho and uh, and McGinn backing that press up as well. So I, I looked at the pressure numbers, and it is because Spurs, you know, under Conte, we're we're not not a pressing side. We do we do pressing. It's just done in a slightly different way. But looking at the numbers for pressures, it's quite interesting. See what you make of this. So. Um, Villa had 174 pressures to our 135. Uh, the success of those is measured by whether you win the ball in the next five seconds. So Villa won the ball 23% of the time and Spurs 30% of the time. So ours was a slightly more effective pressing. Villa's pressing came predominantly in the middle and the attacking thirds. So middle 76, attacking 73, defensive 25. Spurs the opposite. So the majority of our pressing came in the defensive third. 83 of our 135 pressures came in the defensive third, 37 in the middle third, 15 in the attacking third. So you can just sort of get a picture of how the two styles were um, working in the game based on, on that data. And what was interesting was uh, when Spurs tried to play out from the back against Villa, we basically failed at it time and time and time again. So this, their, their ideas worked. They yep. stopped us playing out. They stopped us passing the ball into midfield. They stopped us finding Bentancur and Huibier. And when they found Kane, they got men around him. I remember one occasion where Jacob Ramsey sort of comes from the blind side and nicks the ball off him. There were other occasions where Kane lost the ball too. And that was working really nicely. But what they didn't bargain for was our ability to go long and our long passing and uh, our second goal. In fact, our first goal comes from a, a long, hopeful hoof, I think. Uh, and then obviously Kane has that wayward shot, which deflects nicely for Son. Second goal, Lloris actually picks a pass to Kane. It's a pretty effective long ball. Kane flicks on wonderfully. Third goal, Romero finds a fantastic long ball to Kane. You know, he looks one way, heads the other wonderfully for Son to run through, run on to. And I thought that was really smart that we came out in the second half with a different game plan that we were going to hit Kane earlier. You know, not not worry about the patterns because they're failing. Villa is stopping us playing out, so let's try something different. Uh, and we counted it and we had a lot of joy. You know, not many defenders are going to be able to live with Son in this form. His pace is is very difficult to defend against at the best of times. When he's in this form where he's running onto everything, timing his runs perfectly, finishing in the kind of typically elite way that Son finishes in, teams are going to come unstuck. But I did think that Mings and, and uh, Concer were, were particularly poor, to be honest. Um. I know, I know. We've, you've already mentioned the second half goals, but I, I just, I'm, I'm worried we might skip over our fourth goal. Oh, so, what a goal! What a goal! I, I truly believe it's one of the best team goals I've seen Spurs score in in many, many years. I, there was one where we scored against QPR, where I think we did a hundred passes at home and we scored from it, and that was a good team goal. But that was a bit slow and ponderous. This was this was something else altogether. And not only that, it involved um, Emerson Royale, who gets a lot of stick. And him and him and Romero, uh, Kulusevski, they really combined nicely. Did Schoiberg get involved in this? Was he? Did he get yeah. a touch? He and yeah. I mean, look at them. Schoiberg's getting involved as well. <laughs> and it, it it was a beautiful, beautiful goal. Constructed it right by the corner flag and took us all the way up the pitch. I love how it just never really moved out away from the right flank. Yeah. It just followed. It just followed that train track the whole way down. And it's a it was a wonderful goal. And I I was away this weekend with with a few of the the fighting cock guys. Um, 
And it was that, that when we saw Romero and um, Emerson combine, it was just like, ooh. And then it, as it builds, as it builds, as it builds, it's, it, was, it was a magnificent goal. And then it ended in, a, it ended in us scoring a goal. It was a fantastic flowing move. And it's um, how far we've come from the time under Nuno to where we are now. And, and I think that goal kind of sums it up. And it's not, that's not just um, automations. That's also some inspiration and some variety in there. And just the ability to be able to pull it off and the skill and the technique, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful goal. Kulusevski for that goal was just fantastic. Obviously, he's already scored a brilliant goal of his own by that point. But um, I think his involvement in the fourth goal was the most impressive thing he did in the match. It was so good. Just, you know, he's, a- he's able to chop back. You know what he's going to do. You know he wants it on his left foot. But he still does it anyway because he's so good. He shifts his weight so quickly and he kind of, he faints so nicely. But he's, he's, he's already done a bit of skill in his own half and then kind of gets onto the ball at the other end and, and does that. Sends a defender for a hot dog and then puts it on the plate for Son, um, who, to be fair, tucked it away effortlessly as he as he does at the moment. Uh, and, and it was nice that Son kind of ran away to celebrate and then wanted to find Kulusevski and he's like pointing at him as if to say, that's, 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 your, that's your work. You, you did that. Um, it was a really nice second half performance to watch after a tricky first half where I'm not going to lie, I thought Villa were the better team, uh, but I was glad to see them punished for their aggression and violence. And also Hugo's incredible performance in net kept, mm. kept that clean sheet for sure. So we had a question about Hugo. Let me dig that one out. Uh, Son Renati, who actually I think is, is Bardi's alter count. Uh, how important was Hugo against Villa and our team mentality to not just get a win in the bag, but a 4-0 thrashing? So yeah, Nathan, um, I, I thought that... So Lloris made a couple of saves in that game that I thought were really impressive. The, the Ramsey one... Um, the Ramsey one's so good because he takes a little step just as Ramsey, you know, Ramsey bursts through Royale and uh, Romero and Hugo just takes a little step to narrow the angle and then his reactions are superb. He was really outstanding. I mean, he looked, he didn't look his age or certainly his experience or his years at Tottenham, did he? He he looked um, outstanding. And, and we've, we've had some trouble recently with his, with his ball playing, but this is, this is, the other side of him and we we talk about what we're going to do after Hugo and uh and you know players who can play the ball or collect crosses but but he he really won us that game like Son had a hat trick and and Lloris is my man of the match you know um yeah and and with that like Villa really overexerted themselves pushing they they felt the momentum they felt they were on top they felt they were getting the chances and they went all out um, and we just sort of with the storm, and then in the second half they were gassed. And yeah, I, that that fourth goal and other such moves were incredible to watch. But we were also doing it against a Villa side, a side who were just worn down and, and quite easy to play around. I thought the the Hugo save against Ramsey was brilliant, and it was the fact that he was able to get his hand up that quick from behind his head and had the strength to turn it over. It was um, it was a great performance from him. Arnie says, since Wendy pointed out that the players point to where the player is supposed to go next because they're so well, well drilled in it, I can't stop seeing it. And <laughs> yeah, you, you need to, once you've seen it, you won't stop. You need to look out for it. Look out for our players pointing a lot. And it's not just Shoeberg. <laughs> it's <laughs> so all of them. Shoeberg's been pointing all his life. <laughs> yeah, he was born pointing. He had a, he had a good game, actually. Um, I, I thought... Um, that first half, it's one of those performances where you sort of miss Oliver Skip because Benton Cole got dribbled past quite a lot, four times, in fact. 
Uh, Coutinho had a. I mean, I, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm <laughs> wait, not going to. Coutinho had a really strong game. He's doing this again. Is, the, is that because um, these Latinos don't like it up? Him, he couldn't. He couldn't handle a, a windy day in Birmingham. Is that it? Windy. No, I, th- I think Bentancur is a quality player, but he's mm. definitely a lot better on the ball than he is off the ball. Uh, and so there was a move. In fact, it's the one where I thought Romero should have been booked. Where, uh, where Villa he wipes out Coutinho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Villa have the ball. They draw out Bentancur and he doesn't get his pressing right. And it's just like Coutinho is able to just move into space behind him and, and the ball comes through to him. And then Romero tries to compensate by just taking out Coutinho in the in a hilarious way. And he probably <laughs> should have been, he should have been yellow guarded for that, but he wasn't. So who cares? I think it was, it was in playthrough and what, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Watkins had a shot, I think, at the end of it. Yeah. But whatever. But yeah, I think, I mean, I don't want to criticize Ben Tancor because I think he's played really well recently. <laughs> uh, and on oh, the I'm ball, obviously, his class. But like this is one of those matches where I do think Skip would have been handy. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether Skip's... I like Skip. I'm a fan of Skip. I'm not sure whether Skip fixes the problems we were facing in that first half. Fair enough. I mean, they had three men midfielders. Three against yeah. two is always going to be tough, right? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Alex C says, will there come a point where Conte's patterns will have been found out by opposition teams and thus nullify our attacking options? If so, is that the end of Conte at Spurs? Or will new patterns be created, allowing us as a team to continue playing our style? I feel like the answer to this question is tied a bit to his sacking at Chelsea as well. Somewhat, a little bit. I think that this is actually a really good timing for this question because you saw, and as as Wendy spoke to earlier, like you saw... Um... Plan B. You saw Plan B. You saw, first of all, Villa set up well around the patterns, come with various um, uh, ways to attempt to handle us and do things like that. Um, and Not dissimilar to Southampton, actually. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, and like Southampton, we had a way to come out on top. Um, whether that is simply allowing the opposition to, to punch themselves out, whether that is taking up a more direct route, whether that is switching to a different set of patterns, um, being more counter-attack, um, whatever else we, we have. Having a good goalkeeper. Having, having a really good goalkeeper, that one, <laughs> that classic tactic. Um, so, yeah. I mean, again, this is this is the kind of thing with being like, um, oh well, once this happens, like you can do that for basically every tactical idea in football, mm-hmm. right? There's always going to be a weakness, and 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 teams are always going to lose matches and 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 have sort of tactically inferior performances. Um, 
so yes you can find out and this is something that i spoke to quite a bit before Conte came in you can plan around his tactics um uh, around the patterns but that isn't like you've won the game there and then and and next week and next week and next week uh yeah i i do think that like over time more teams will be better prepared around these ideas um and that can give us issues um but it isn't it isn't like a nail in the coffin i don't think yeah, I think so. And I think as the team gets better and we improve individuals, the fact that they have players who can execute those patterns better. Like, you know how you can beat Man City. You can uh, low block and counter them and you can beat them. But the the amount of times it works is really, it's, it's not going to happen a lot. And I think if we improve right wing back, if we improve left wing back, improve a midfielder and just get better, then it doesn't matter if you know what's coming, if you can't stop it. Yeah, I do think um, Kane and Son are hard to stop anyway, you know. Kane, Son and Kulisevsky are really, really hard to stop. The way they complement each other as a three, like every every possible role is fulfilled between the three of them. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, yeah. the next thing is adding sufficient quality to be able to rotate, isn't it? That's the... That's sure, challenge. sure. I mean, I I maintain that like Bergwijn would have been a better option to Lucas the entire time, of course, and, and then we should move Lucas on, and then Bergwijn is there as a decent option for all three of them. But then that's one player back and on three, and you want some more there, of course. I feel like, um, and maybe it's just because we haven't played too many parked buses recently, but I feel like I am a little bit kind of uh, warming to this more workmanlike midfield um, who are contrary to I think what you're saying about Intico, like ball winners uh first and play it simple and 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 just stick to the the moves that they're taught um and then having more creativity coming from the wing backs I am becoming a little less desperate for a really creative central midfielder um recently um just in time for Conte to publicly speak saying that he wants to have another playmaker at the club and um links to Christian Eriksen sort of picking up a little bit um I think, of course, with Ericsson is that he could be... Um, he's both. Yeah, both. He's both. He's both. Uh, anyway. yeah, I mean, he's perfect, isn't he? I think we should um, we should talk about Matt Doherty and, uh, and that situation. I, I feel really bad for him, just as he's kind of yeah. hit his stride. You know, he's had a run of really decent performances, probably maybe 10, 8 to 10 matches in a row where you've sort of felt really comfortable with him in the team and... He's a really lit part of the team. Obviously, he he's, seems to be a popular member of the squad. Gets on very well with with Kane in particular. Um, it was a horrible tackle. He, uh, he was obviously desperate to play on, probably for the reasons I've just stated that he's in a really good place. And now he's out for the rest of the season. And we are probably going to go and sign a, a better right wing back. Will he get his place back at Spurs? Possibly not. It remains to be seen. Um, Bardi RR10 says, how do you see Conte dealing with our right wing back situation for the rest of the season with Dotti out? Emerson, Sess, or a surprise? Um, Emerson. I don't see one of our, I don't see Lucas or Bergwijn dropping in there unless it's, we're playing a low block and there's, there's, it's desperation time. It's really sad for Doherty. He's just found a bit of rhythm, a bit of, a bit of form and we're starting to really provide us with something. And you could, you could almost see the drop off in when Sessignon came on, the, the ability. 
sorry, Reguilón came on and the ability, inability to pass it out. I didn't think Reguilón had the greatest game, but maybe Agreed. that's maybe that's also because he's out of form, out of out of match match fitness. It's really sad, but I see Emerson now will will play right wing back for the rest of the season, which it worries me a little bit. Even though there is a little kind of it's starting to blossom a little bit, I am still concerned about him. I feel like there's a chance that. That Conte will use all three of Reguilón, Sessegnon, and Emerson to cover the two wingback positions and sort of give them roughly equal minutes. Maybe um, Sessegnon obviously has played in the right quite a lot in his career, but maybe higher up the pitch and, and not as a wingback. But uh, I don't think that stops him potentially playing some right wing back if Conte felt that Emerson was not creative enough, for example, or didn't have the right final third movement, which I think is the key problem with Emerson. Um, but I thought Emerson had an adequate game. He wasn't. He, he was fine. Uh, there was definitely a drop off on the left. So Regalon had a, a poor match, to be honest. I thought with his decision making and passing out. Uh, but like Bardi says, he's just back from a, a little layoff and doesn't quite have that rhythm. I think it'll be Regalon and Roy our next match. To be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I do. I think so as well. I think so as well. Uh, but I think I do think he like. I don't think it will take much of him to change that. So for example, if Sessegnon were to come on at say 60, 65 minutes and look really good, then he might switch it back up for the game after. Um, I mean, I do. I think the reason he started Emerson and Dotti was partly for fitness, but also partly for reasons of meritocracy, that they'd both played really well in the previous game and, the, and they'd both contributed to goals and there was no reason to, to change that. Uh, and so if Regulon now comes in and plays well and Emerson comes in and plays well, Again, there might not necessarily be a reason to change it, but if if either drops off, then we've got a good player in Sessegnon waiting in the wings. Personally, I think he's the best of the three of them, uh, and and I'd be comfortable with with him playing either side. Also, I do I feel this this injury to Doherty is bad news, obviously, especially for Doherty. But I think we're at a level now in terms of our general performance and the understanding of the patterns where it shouldn't impact us as much of it as it might have done earlier in the season if a, if our first choice right back wing back had got injured if that makes sense imagine if it does imagine if tottenham fall apart because matt doherty got injured in in 2022 <laughs> you you mean how arsenal falling apart because kieran Tierney got injured Tierney's like a a rounded long time respected technical footballer i literally you got me praising an arsenal player you he bastard <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Diz Willy says after promising Brazilian wingback Okafu was victim of a cruel assassination <laughs> yeah. attempt is it time for his fellow countryman Lucas Moura to step into the role of right wing back and bring the attacking chaos no Lucas on no. the far right body what do you think no 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 he doesn't have a first touch that I would trust in a tight situation I don't think he's sensible enough to play right wing back and just because he's fast doesn't mean he's a right wing back just it's just not going to happen imagine Sessing him young. like receiving sorry buddy imagine him receding mm. just like a sideways pass deep in his own third and then him just trying to do like a, a diagonal dribble all the way to like the opposite <laughs> top left corner like repeatedly I want to yeah I want to see that in a testimonial I don't want to see that in the Premier League <laughs> I think a lot of people are quite obsessed with the idea of Lucas being converted into a right wing back. And I suspect it's because of the Traore links. Yeah. And they sort of see them as, you know, Traore was apparently signed that we were targeting him to play wing back. Uh, And so people go, okay, well, Traore and Lucas are similar. So why not Lucas on the right? I just don't think he's, I don't see it. I don't see the fit for the system. He's, you know, what's, 
What's made Doherty so effective has been that he's been steady Eddie defensively. I don't think Lucas would be. And his movement in the final third is excellent. His timing of a run is excellent. His appreciation of the rhythm of an attack is excellent. He knows when to go, when to stay. He knows sort of when to involve himself. And I don't think Lucas has that. He wants the ball to feet all the time yeah. and just relentlessly run at the defender. That's not our game now. We've we've evolved past that under Conte. When when Conte came in, I was sort of open to the idea. I thought we might see it. We didn't see it. Obviously, Conte has decided against it. I don't think we're going to see it now as a sort of reaction to, to things changing. I think that the, the, the time for seeing Bergwijn and, and Lucas in, in wing-back roles has, has been and gone, I think. Mm-hmm. You're probably the, more likely to see um, Lucas brought back into the attacking midfield role and Kulusevski moved, moved to wing-back, yeah. which I, yeah. I hope we don't see, to be honest. It would be a real shame to see Kulusevski moved out of a position that he's absolutely thriving in. I mean, he is incredible. I was just thinking this weekend, I was talking to my dad and, and we were talking about Kulusevski and he was like, why did Juventus sell this excellent player? And I'm like, when we got him, Juventus fans were mugging us off. Mm. They, they thought we'd signed an idiot. And journalists I respect that follow Italian football thought we were getting mugged off. Not Nima, he, he was totally pro this. And I was just like, this guy's incredible and he's, he's so cheap. And it's um yeah, it's an, it's an amazing deal for us and a terrible one for Juventus. Juventus have Italian Mourinho in charge, and yeah. he's going to alienate their good players and make the fans <laughs> think that they're terrible players. Yeah. Yes, we've managed to bring up Mourinho again. We've done it again, Windy. We thought we've got forty minutes through an episode. They said it couldn't be done, but we found a way. He's um, not so bad. Jose's not so. There's Jose Roma is all right. I know. Oh, he's don't all right. Think about it. Don't he's, ask he's me about all right it. If you're not a Roma fan, he's doing okay at Roma. Um, the, the the fans, a lot of the fans, really hate him. Yeah, a lot of fans in your echo chamber, Windsor. <laughs> Results-wise, they're doing well. Like, yeah, they're doing well. Yep. And their data's yep. good. And um, I haven't watched a single minute and I won't be commenting on the issue at all from here on. Scoring goals. Made Tammy Abraham look good. Chris Smalling scoring goals. He's he, he's doing okay in Italy. Let it go. He's doing all right. He's the worst human being. Um, Bardi, Matty says, what's your favourite carb? Uh, I mean, can you guess? It's either pizza or pasta. Well, wouldn't, you can't really call pizza a carb, can you? It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not a food group. Like uh, pizza base, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's either it's either dough or I pasta. Mean, I'm concerned about you when you're listing like food bases and a pizza just appears on the chart out of nowhere. Yeah, pasta is a is a carb, so it's got to be pasta. Hmm. Uh, no more food questions, please, because I don't get to break my fast for another two oh, hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Barty, guess what my favourite carbs are? Um, yours is a potato. I love potatoes. <laughs> of course, of course. You do. I absolutely and, love um, potatoes. And the kind of you look like the kind of person that goes mental for potato dofunwa potatoes. I could just no, imagine. No, not interested no. in them. No. What you want, not interested in dofunwa. Mash. So, mash is mash is all right. I like a bit of cheesy mash. Completely unseasoned baby new potatoes. No, dreadful. <laughs> so dauphinois and uh, and new potatoes would be the only potatoes I'm not interested in. Really? The rest, you know, chips of all varieties, but especially fish and chip shop chips. I could eat them all day, every day. Uh, and roast potatoes, just there good roast me, potatoes with goose fat. There was me thinking you were slightly fancier than um, than just fish and chip chips. Uh, I should have should have toned it down. I, I thought you were a bit more of a connoisseur and you'd go for something a bit more elite level. But uh, if I had to choose between potatoes and bread... That is a tough... I love my bread. Um, I don't think you can have a meal without a bread. The bread has to be 
always present. Yeah, I can I can easily go to a restaurant and have uh, a protein and some veg, and if I've got bread, I'm happy. just a bread basket. Yeah, exactly. Just a, a bread basket. If it's would a be good excellent. bread basket with good butter, it's hard mm. to beat that, isn't it? Especially if it's yeah. the bread slightly warm and the butter melts on it. Sorry, I mean, Nathan. This <laughs> we're, is we're really really punishing what you. What are you doing to me, man? This is edging into what, like I think if I if something happens to me, Wendy, and I, I have a terminal disease or something, I want to go on the off menu podcast and talk about my dream. Oh, menu. That, I love that, that podcast that, that so much. Be, like my my thing you could do for me. Or they don't even have to release it. Just let me talk about my favourite meal. You'd be really good on there as well because you've got such a detailed memory for for things mm. like that. You'd be you'd be a great guest. I love that podcast so much. It's brilliant. Mm, it's very good. As if they need as if they need just to, to recommend it. I mean, for God's sake, <laughs> they're probably the biggest podcast in the country. <laughs> Jamie Oliver, Ed Sheeran, Bardi from the Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> There is one, just want to talk, I know mean, they're not sponsoring us, but they, it, it is a bad thing. If you really like somebody on that, and then you listen to them on that podcast, your whole world can change. So my wife loves Claudia Winkleman. She absolutely adores everything about her. She now hates her because she listened to her on off-menu podcasts and she now judges her totally. So if, if there's someone you really like and you see them appear on that, think twice <laughs> about listening in. Is she like um like fish fingers and baked beans based on she, she eats like a child. It's oh. not far off. Yeah, and she thinks she's really a food connoisseur, but she eats like a child. Excellent, excellent. That's that's good content right there. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed. I don't know if it's the latest one, but it's a recent one with uh, Siobhan McSweeney, who's the 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 nun from Derry Girls. Uh, she's got a lovely voice to listen to, uh, but also the anecdotes were chef's kiss they are fantastic she actually she actually uh, nearly made me cry at one point as well it's really good really enjoyable listen uh Trayton says what would have to happen for Spurs to win the title next season what are some things that would have to happen this offseason next season for Spurs to reach the level of this year's Liverpool or City teams I don't know if it's possible for us to reach the level of this Liverpool City team in the space of an offseason. I think what we have to appreciate is that this Liverpool team and this City team are two of the greatest teams to ever do it yep. at any level ever. They are, It's not just the players, it's the coaches, it's the tactics, it's the styles, it's the the fact that they are they're changing the game in, in many, you know, they, they've got... They've each got a manager who has, in some ways, changed the game forever. And the levels they're playing at are insane and almost every week as well. It's relentless. Um, but for Spurs to win, so, so, so sort of, for Spurs to win the league, we'd need them to drop off. We'd need something to change. We'd need, we'd need Salah to not sign the contract. Retrospective uh, human rights uh, rules for <laughs> yes. us. So City City gets stripped of their ownership. Um, Financial to, fair play for Liverpool. administration. And then Liverpool, I think, just like Klopp decides he's had enough of football and him and his team leave. And I guess Gerrard comes in and he takes a while to, to, <laughs> to settle in and stuff. That that That's what needs to happen. And also we have like a decent summer. So I, I tweeted out uh, Saturday that since Conte's come in... Um, in terms of performances and also in line with results, we have been the third best team in the league. So we're kind of there already pending that drop off. But yes. if we want to sustain that, if we, I mean, I thought that Juventus Chelsea would, would be, it would be in contention for sure um, this season. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but if you want to be, if we want to be confident about a title challenge, um, then we need to also improve in the summer and then also prey on the downfall of our enemies. 
I mean, expecting Liverpool and Man City to drop um, drop form, they, they will. I mean, Liverpool mm-hmm. last season they they clocked up sixty nine points, so it does show that nice. a drop off a drop off can happen. And um, I think it's just about being patient. The, that team, the City team, is not going to last forever. At some point, Guardiola will walk away. At some point, De Bruyne and etc. Will, will move on. And then, like you said about the Liverpool team, all it needs is a bad summer or two and then being unable to replace their manager there will be a drop off and for Spurs it's important we just keep improving this is the thing Liverpool are coming towards the end of a cycle you know Salah and Mane they won't play at this level for for many more years even perhaps the Virgil van Dijk won't also you know this is the you need for Liverpool to, to drop off you need them to become over the hill to leave or to get an injury and then you have a chance City is you know, Pep's not going to stick around that much longer. If, if they don't win, if they do win the Champions League, maybe he'll leave. But if they don't win the Champions League, maybe he'll leave. People um, age, people age, teams change, managers leave, things happen. And this is, this is why there's, there's, there's periods of dominance. Look at Man United, for example. Could, could you have even pondered a time when Man United were this bad when you looked at them under right. Ferguson? Right. It just doesn't happen. It's, it's unable to, it's, you can't sustain that stuff, especially not here in, in the Premier League, as a Sky Pundit would say, because there is that much money and that much quality that dotted around that mm. it's impossible to do that. They, there's not a conglomerate owning this division, like perhaps Juventus owns Serie A and, and Bayern, PSG, that, that kind mm. of thing. There's, there's too much in the mix. There's too many variables to mean that Tottenham to winning the league is, is impossible. It can happen. Just so like Nathan's Emerson right. Get relegated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Nathan's right. We need to make sure that we are third and comfortably third. And I think, obviously, we're already well on the way to doing that. You know, given the performances since Conte came in, we are the third best team in the league. Uh, we'll get better. We have to sort of future proof that is what I'm saying. We have to we have mm. to lay down the foundation to to make that consistent and solid into next season. Future proof it and improve it. And we're probably going to want and, more depth and we can season, improve right, it. if we're going to be going to be competing in Europe and across cups as well. So yeah, exactly. And and then if you're there, if you if you've kept up with maybe not all the points, but you're you're sort of five points behind, six points behind, nine points behind, even, and then there's a slip up, you have your Leicester moment, and uh, and you get your glory. I, I think it's unlikely, but I think we are good enough under Conte, and and certainly if we keep. Harry Kane, that we can we can be there if something goes wrong, and that's that's about the best we can hope for. I think at the moment, it's really exciting to be as good as we are at the moment. Though you know, th- this is the best Spurs we've seen since peak Pochettino by a distance, mm-hmm. and it feels like we're not quite even at our best yet. There's another, you know, there's more to come from this team. I think, uh, as Bardi said earlier, you add a right wing back, add a real quality right wing back, and maybe a, a left wing back and left centre back. Ooh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, we'll end with this question. Frazzle says, what should Spurs do about Harry Kane's mini goal drought? So he hasn't scored in three games. He has had, I think, like five, two and three shots, totaling 1.5 expected goals. Um, so not too worrying on the underlying numbers front. Um that and I think that is despite the fact that like a, so a lot of our attacking has been uh, the kind of Mourinho thing where it's the ball over the top. Now the difference, the main difference, and this is a side note, the main difference is that like instead of just playing one ball over to Sun, it's there are like two or three players making that run in behind. Um, but 
we are seeing the element where a lot of the time Kane, that the attack is so fast that Kane isn't catching up with it. But that isn't because he's like uh, slow and unfit and lethargic and the move is dying super quick or being scored super quick. Um, well, sorry, <laughs> it is that the, the, move, the move dies out before we get there. It's not that he's lacking the fitness. So there will be moves that end up being slower mm. and then he's going to be there for them. Um, so mm. I'm not worried about it. I agree. I, I think... Um... I was thinking the other day, actually, when Kane was when he was putting up ridiculous goal numbers for for season after season. Remember how many goals were headers? Uh, it doesn't feel like he scored many headers this season, and it's because we're not very good at crossing generally. Uh, imagine we have better crosses, and imagine how many more goals Harry Kane is going to score. That's quite an exciting prospect. Buddy, are you at all worried about Kane's mini goal drought? No, not really. If you think seven goals have come from his boot, he's created seven goals. It, mm. it, I think personally for him, is probably bugging him a little bit because he likes to score goals and he wants he wants those numbers. But in terms of how we're playing, he's he's still so good and so important to us that it doesn't concern me. He's not the one putting the ball in the net. Harry Kane hat trick against Brighton on Saturday. That's That'd be uh, lovely. That's what we can look forward to. Because the the beautiful thing about that is we play first, and if we can if we can get a result there, it really puts pressure on everybody else. And you know how good we are at putting the pressure on. <laughs> There's no one better. So check out Humans of Purpose. Search for Humans of Purpose on your podcast player. If you like it, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Leave Mike a nice review and you can learn more about the show at humansofpurpose.com. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, The Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.